Stay tuned now for a special Fifth Tuesday edition of the Ecology Hour. So these are just songs from my people, from Coastal Pomo people. Um, I'm half, well not half, Kashaya and Pointerina. So both of the songs, some of them come from either area. Um, we like to uh, think of ourselves as sister tribes. My father and mother um, are from either one. So here we go. <laughs> Bernadette Smith. She's from the Point Arena Manchester Band of Pomo Indians. And I'm Alicia Bales. This is the a special fifth Tuesday edition of the Ecology Hour. Bernadette Smith was singing on Sunday at the uh, Pomo Land Back demonstration at Casper, uh, the gateway to the Casper 500 Timber Harvest Plant on Jackson Demonstration State Forest. Um, there have been a lot of things going on with Jackson State, and tonight's show will be an update on all of these recent events. Uh, Jackson State Demonstration State Forest has been in the news a lot lately. Cal Fire, who manages JDSF and conducts commercial logging throughout the 50,000-acre public forest, announced a new vision for Jackson State management that included some guidelines for tribal co-management and new funding sources, among other topics. Um, the State Natural Resources Agency and Cal Fire have been in government-to-government -government negotiations with the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians discussing a co-management agreement, but the new vision was announced without direct input from them. Still, some local folks were cautiously optimistic about the direction Cal Fire said it wanted to go. However, before the ink was dry on this new vision, Cal Fire announced it would restart logging on the four controversial timber harvest plants that were shut down last year to, due to protests, including tree sits, rallies, and road blockades. These four plans are located in Casper, Chamberlain Creek, Redtail at Camp One, and Soda Gulch. The local coalition to save Jackson State Forest saw the move as a betrayal and called for actions to protest Cal Fire's decision. Sunday, over 100 people gathered at the entrance to the Casper 500 THP in Casper. And yesterday, dozens marched to CDF headquarters in Fort Bragg. This afternoon, six people were arrested in a lockdown sit-in in front of the Natural Resources Agency in Sacramento. So we'll have a first-hand account of the day's actions in Sacramento from folks who were there, including two of the arrestees who've since been processed and released from jail, and youth organizers who've been leading the call to protect Jackson. But first, joining me through Zoom 
is Charlie Schneider. He's the North Coast Coordinator for Trout Unlimited and uh, serves as a recreation advisor for the Jackson Advisory Group, or the JAG. And he's uh, been in that role since 2017. He's here to share his perspective on what's happening at JDSF. And Charlie, hello, welcome to KZYX. Thanks for being on the Ecology Hour. So yeah, let's, thanks so much for having me. Let's start by making sure everyone understands what Jackson Demonstration State Forest is and, and what the Jackson Advisory Group or the JAG does. Just sort of the most basic so that everybody can be on board and understand what this, the, the, the discussion tonight's going to be. Yeah, so I think you gave, you know, kind of a brief definition of, of what Jackson is. It's 50,000 acres of uh, coast redwood and conifer forest um, kind of between Fort Bragg and Willits. And CAL FIRE uh, is mandated to to manage action as a research and demonstration forest and when it was originally set up um you know back in the old days folks were just marching up and down the coast clear cutting everything and taking all the redwood and so really the goal back then it was to to demonstrate that you can sustainably manage forests and, and keep that ongoing timber yield and not just cut everything and walk away and so the jag uh was formed in uh, 2008, uh, sort of following a previous controversy similar to what's happening now, and it's really created as a citizen advisory group to CAL FIRE, um, and the JAG advises uh, or advises on the periodic review of the management plan um, and then ongoing implementation issues. So, you know, any we, we look at THPs, we look at other work that's being done on the forest and provide our feedback to, to CAL FIRE staff um, just to help inform them, you know, of what the public thinks or what, you know, we, we're sort of a representatives for stakeholders groups. So what they might think about, you know, specific management. So the JAG is kind of a, an advisory group for the public, but it's not just representatives of the public that are on the JAG, right? There's also representatives of industry. Correct. Yeah. So there's various JAG seats, um, you know, meant to be representative. So I, I serve in a recreation seat, um, but there's also, you know, large and small timberland owner seats. There's uh, registered professional forester seats, ecologists, biologists. Um, so it's meant to have sort of a, a diverse perspective, you know, on the JAG. Right. And, and you don't really have any ability to stop plans, but you give feedback on management plans and timber harvest plants right correct yeah so the jag you know it it's its role has sort of changed over the years at least as far as i understand it you know the the initial jag the original group was was 14 members and you know they really helped write that initial or i shouldn't say initial management plan but the you know the 2011 management plan um you know and then and then send it off to the board of forestry for for modifications and eventual approval but you know since i've been on the jag what we've really done is is looked at timber harvest plant plans cal fire staff brings timber harvest plans to us um, to ensure that they're consistent with the existing management plan and so we we tend to vote on those issues you know we, we do vote on those the jag has to approve uh that thps are in compliance before they can move forward does the jag ever reject timber harvest plans not since I've been on, but we've, you know, we've, we've made strong recommendations on, on certain of them. Okay. And um, one other burning question I have about the JAG is like, why did you get on it? And what were you hoping? <laughs> what were you, yeah. why and how actually, how does someone get 
on the Jag. And, and, and what were you hoping that you could accomplish in that role? Yeah. So again, I, you know, despite my day job, I, I serve as a recreation advisor because I'm a mountain biker and <laughs> I grew up on the coast and I grew up riding the trails in Jackson and uh, was involved with Mendocino Coast Cyclists for, for a while. And I'm also just interested in, in resource management. Um, so I really got on the JAG to help sort of with recreation planning. You know, I, I grew up on the coast, you know, through through the 90s and the Timber Wars and really saw this, this you know, the mill closed when I was in high school. So I really saw this shift in our, you know, in the local economy and the local community when, you know, it just moved away from timber and fishing, right? It was a tough time for the community. And so I saw, you know, I was working in the mountain bike industry in the time, and I really saw this recreation economy as something that, you know, the coast could really benefit from, um, you know, and start to build out because it really was, you know, we, we, us locals think of the lost coast as further north, but people in Sonoma County don't. I mean, Mendo is the lost coast in their mind. So really, you know, helping folks find it and just support our local economy, you know, spend money on hotels and restaurants. So that that's really why I joined is I wanted to see, you know, to try to harness some of that, you know, recreation economy for, for the coast. And then how did you get on there? Were you appointed? So, yeah, they the Board of Forestry has to appoint you onto the JAG and you, you um, submit an application. They have uh you know i think it was just like an open call for jag members when i joined but they've had you know when um chair frank land and joanna nelson recently joined dr joanna nelson they had a specific call for you know types of jag seeds but at the time the jag was was pretty small i think we're 10 now and i think i might have been the seventh member to join so it you know had been reduced in size um since the original formation so you just mentioned the new, there's three new seats, um, and I guess this is part of the bold new vision for the management of Jackson. Um, one of those seats is a tribal seat, and as you mentioned, uh, Chairman Reno Franklin from the Kashaya Band of Pomo um, is in that seat, but that's all fairly new, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, they they just joined uh, recently. Um as of yet, Chair Franklin hasn't been to a meeting and Joanne has just been to one. So, you know, just, just this year is when they joined. And we only have meetings like, you know, quarterly or, or less. So they're not super frequent. Well, I could go on forever asking you about this, but I actually want to get to the news at hand because things are developing in Jackson. And um, Cal Fire has made some pretty uh, shocking moves over the last week or so. So can you talk about the latest yeah, so I, you know, you sort of mentioned earlier this this new vision that that Jessica Morse, um, who's the deputy Sec- deputy secretary for uh, I think Forest and Wildland Resilience is her title, um, you know, secretary deputy secretary Morse came to the last JAG meeting, uh, which was two Fridays ago on the nineteenth, and pers- presented this new vision. And there's really sort of three three parts as I see it to the vision. You know, they Cal Fire sort of reaffirmed. Uh, their intention to update the management plan early. So the management plan wasn't supposed to be updated until 2026. And we were told we'll be working on that now. And so it sounds like the the ball is rolling for them to, you know, to begin that process. And then they also announced this this creation of a new tribal advisory council, as well as sort of additional commitment to um, co-management and, you know, continuing their government to government consultation with, uh, not just Coyote Valley, but Sherwood, um, as well. And then finally this, you know, providing resources to the forest. So, uh, 
Deputy Secretary Morse, you know, announced that last year that uh, CNRA committed $10 million to the, the demonstration forest system. Um, and it, she announced on Friday an additional $5 million, and then also a commitment to, to secure ongoing funding for the forest. Um, and so that, you know, the goal of that is just to relieve some of the financial pressures uh, on the management of the forest because the program has been self-sustaining. So all the operations of the forest have been paid for through through timber harvest. Right. And that's been one of the controversial issues is that the, there's sort of a commercial um, drive or at least the perception of the need to make money off of the forest, even though it's a public forest. And, you know, if, if there's that commercial drive, then how much can the people really have an effect on whether or not there's logging out there if, if the, they have to make money off of the logging? Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I think I, for one, was really hopeful. You know, I really see that funding as sort of a foundational piece of, you know, any sort of updated management. Um, you know, I, I think the forest needs ongoing management. You know, uh, historic logging did a lot of damage. And a lot of that damage is, <laughs> needs a lot of fixing. I mean, especially in the fisheries world where I work. And, and that's because so, of road building, right? For the most part. I mean, you know back in the old days, right? In the, in like the 1960s, they just ran bulldozers right up the stream channels to get the logs out. So, you know, it, folks that think logging's destructive now, I mean, the way they used to do it is, is 10 times as bad for sure. So yeah, a lot of that work, you know, and, and folks just didn't know to, to some extent, but, um, you know, that just the ecosystem's been so heavily altered. It's, you know, it needs intervention to get, to get back in a reasonable time frame. You know, it, it could eventually heal itself and you know, thousand, two thousand years, but uh, some of the species we really care about could be long gone by then. Particularly coho salmon, right? Yeah, and and you know, add add to that climate change, right? Which which puts species under even more pressure. So yeah, I mean, coho are something I care deeply about, and yeah, I would definitely lump them into the. You know, we need to get after it if we want those fish around in the future. Threatened and imperiled species. Okay, so we have the grand vision put forward by by Cal Fire by Jessica Morse the Deputy Secretary for Forest and Wildland Resilience she brought this to the JAG meeting on August 19th do we know where this grand vision came from yeah it's a good question i mean <laughs> i'll just be honest we you know the JAG did not see this document until friday you know we we're told it was hot off the presses you know they they did say that you know to the rest of the group as well it's something that they've been working on over the summer um you know, in, in part in consultation with, with Coyote Valley, um, you know, and essentially they told us that those conversations are still ongoing. And, you know, CAL FIRE is not able to share anything that happens in government to government consultations. And that, you know, I think that's appropriate. And they've been very cautious about sharing anything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think kind of between uh, the government to government and then also just the community feedback, you know, at JAG meetings and, and other forums over the last few months, you know, they've been trying to take that in. And, you know, in my role, I've been trying to facilitate that, you know, talking to community members and sort of uh, taking, you know, summarizing that information and passing it off to, to Cal Fire staff when I'm able to. So, yeah, I think it's sort of a, you know, conglomeration of different data points okay so it was but it was kind of a surprise it was it was not something that you were anticipating they kind of came to this meeting and told you this is the new vision and then right on the heels of that we get a press release that says well since we have this new vision we're going to go 
back and start logging the four plans that everybody was upset about last summer. You know, we've resolved that and we're going to start logging again. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, there's sort of two pathways, right? There's this new vision, kind of longer term, you know, something that's going to take longer is, you know, updating the management plan. You know, could, it could, I think Kevin Conway has said it, you know, could take a year or two, right? We could be done in 2024. So that's kind of a longer term vision, you know, and something that needs a, a lot of details worked out, right? I think I talked to a lot of folks who said that, you know, they were optimistic, but obviously details matter and, you know, uh, words on a, on a piece of paper, you know, like a four page paper is not a management plan. So a lot of work to be done. And then, yeah, along with that, there, there was sort of this, uh, you know, additional uh, changes to these four THPs that have already been sold. Um, and that was sort of a separate topic in the JAG, but, you know, just a short list of like, here are the changes we're making on these, these four sold THPs to move forward. And I think, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure I had the right sense of the meeting because I don't think it was explicitly spelled out, but I talked to a lot of folks and I was just like, what was your take? You know, was your take, Hey, we're moving forward with this on Monday or was your take like, there's still some work to be done. And I think everyone agreed that they felt like this was an ongoing conversation, but they were getting close to a resolution. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, you know, read Mary Callahan's press Democrat article on, I think late Monday night and, you know, it was a surprise to me. And I think the JAG got an email Tuesday morning, you know, letting us know that operations were going to restart. So you weren't consulted about this. You found out in the newspaper. Um, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> great question. I mean, we, you know, it, it, we're right, you know, we're the JAG is right there with the public in terms of, you know, what what we know about this at this point. So you now I, I can't speak for <laughs> maybe other JAG members of had conversations, but, you know, it, it was a surprise to me. You know, I, as as it was to many uh, many other community members who, you know, I got texts and phone calls the next day about it. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what to say. I mean, I you know, I re, you know, if they had an opportunity at the JAG meeting to lay this out a little more fully, and maybe that was just a missed opportunity. But, uh, you know, I, they're really not doing a great job managing people's expectations. All right, this is a special fifth. Uh, Tuesday edition of the Ecology Hour. I'm your special Fifth Tuesday host, Alicia Bales, and we are getting a rundown on what is happening with Jackson Demonstration State Forest. My guest is Charlie Schneider. He is uh, the recreation advisor on the Jackson Advisory Group, a role he's held since 2017. Um, and we're talking about Charlie's reaction to um, first the the bold new vision announced by CAL FIRE and then hot on the heels, uh, the announcement that they were going to go back in and start logging. And Charlie, I wonder if you can talk about what the logging, have they started logging for one thing? Have, have the operations begun? And if so, where? And how this action by CAL FIRE is going to affect the JAG's work and the ongoing negotiations with the community and the tribes toward the new management plan and other aspects of the plan like co-management. Yeah. So, I mean, the best information I have is that they've only, you know, or they're, they're only, they've only told us they're starting restarting operations on one THP, which is Chamberlain. And so that, you know, that leaves three others that are still a question mark. Um, you know, I, I won't speak for the tribe, but I think I've, you know, I've heard that they weren't consulted. I mean, I think they've made statements in the media to that. It was a surprise to them as well. So, um, you know, as far as what it means for 
ongoing government to government? You know, that's that's a great question for Michael Hunter. Um, you know, I, I certainly think it's a, a step backwards in terms of public trust. Um, again, I think folks that have been really engaged in this issue and going to the meetings uh, all felt pretty pretty blindsided by this. And so, yeah, I think it's um, yeah, I think it's going to be a little, you know, it's it's two steps backward. You know, it's going to take a while to to redevelop that trust if if ever. Um, you know, for some of these community members. Well, and what does that mean? Because Cal Fire makes a lot of um, their willingness to listen to the community in Jackson Demonstration State Forest because it is a public forest. Um, but when things like this happen, which, you know, it's not the first time this kind of thing has happened with Cal Fire, uh, especially when it used to be called CDF or the California Department of Forestry. Um, I mean, they were the agency that oversaw the collapse of the timber industry here in our region and the um, timber wars that happened on CDF's watch, right? So there's already not, um, not a lot of trust. So, I mean, as this, is there any hope of this process going forward in in a good in good faith with this way of you know communicating with the public and the community yeah i mean i think the the process you know like when we start talking about longer term right i think again the four thps i ultimately see that as um you know really a up to the tribe at this point and their government to government you know i think that that really has to come first and then um whether that comes back to the jag or the community for next steps i think is is ultimately up to cal fire but you know it's the tribe has that special standing as a sovereign nation to be able to have those discussions so i think you know it, both in in the four thps and the management plan that that's kind of step one is uh sort out that co-management agreement and you know side by side with the tribe start figuring out or or the tribes if if more than one tribes ends up you know um finalizing a co-management agreement and then start to develop the process for what that management plan rewrite is going to be and you know ultimately that that process i hope is one that you know the public can be uh really engaged in and and uh that those that advice and that feedback is really listened to and really helps shape you know, shapes this this new management plan. Can that happen while ongoing logging is happening on these plans? I mean, I know in um, Chamberlain and in Soda Gulch, there have been uh, a lot of work to identify sacred cultural sites out there. Um, uh, if the if Cal Fire is determined to to log, can these conversations even happen? Yeah, no. I mean, I think you know a lot of the folks in the. The coalition to save jackson will, will say no i mean they've made that pretty pretty clear publicly you know i i got the sense that there was uh maybe an opportunity to you know to deal with what, what i call kind of the hard problem the four thps is the hard problem there's uh contracts sold right cal cal fire is sort of legally obligated to um to finalize those but i think you know they they've shown some willingness to, to compromise even on those four sold thps i just think you know there there was maybe i mean it's hard to know how much work was left to do to really come to an agreement you know on each one of those so i think each one of those has to be looked at individually you know they're all different timber harvest plans they're all in different parts of the forest they're different treatments so you know i think they just have to work through each one of those one by one um and then yeah i mean and then there's no other thps that are on the table you know at least in the short term and cal fire you know withdrew their other thps um you know and said publicly 
it was to take the pressure off, you know, to, to keep people calm while we work on the management plan. So yeah, my, my hope would be that, you know, if there is, if Cal Fire feels like they need to move forward with THPs, then we're doing so under some sort of interim management plan or interim operating conditions that uh, the, the public is, you know, really comfortable with. And what about other members of the JAG or the JAG um, working as a group to weigh in with Cal Fire on this on this decision? Has has the JAG taken any uh, steps to let Cal Fire know that they don't want them to to do the logging, or have you responded to the to the latest Cal Fire moves in any way as a as a JAG? Yeah, not not as of you know not as of Tuesday right? the latest moves. I mean, we I've talked to a couple other JAG members about it, um, you know, and I, I I won't speak for them, but yeah, we we haven't taken any action yet other than you know just just a couple phone calls, and you know we we do have obligations to not meet outside of public, right? Because we're we're a Bagley Keen regulated board, so we can't meet with with more than a quorum. So. You know, and, and we have to disclose if we do. So it does make it a little tough to kind of have those those big group dis- discussions because we have to do it in public. And you know, we one of the things I talked about with other members that I will say is, you know, how how can we have maybe some Zoom meetings or something to actually have those discussions a little more frequently? It'll certainly be needed when the management plan, you know, update picks up. And I, you know, I think that's going to be a lot a lot of work for all of us. All right. Where's well, the anything else that people need to understand about what's going on in Jackson, or, or 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 good ways to follow it? I mean, like, what's the big picture here, and and why should people pay attention to what's happening? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I you know I see the management plan update as a real opportunity for people to weigh in on you know what they want to see from this forest. Um, you know, it, it is public land, and I really see this as a, as a public lands issue. Um, you know, even though it, it does have this statewide research and demonstration mission, you know, it's ultimately, you know, folks on the coast that have it in their backyard. So, yeah, I think engaging in that management plan update process, you know, when it comes around, and again, we, you know, hopefully we'll be getting more news about that this fall. Um, but, you know, a lot of these issues are are complex and you you kind of need to be in the weeds on them to to really do the work so you know the more folks that are willing to educate them on these issues and and get involved i think the better the process will be in the end all right so you encourage people to follow the minutia <laughs> learn yep. the acronyms yep <laughs> okay great Charlie Schneider, thank you so much for for being here on the ecology hour and um thanks for keeping watch on the jag yeah, thank you for having me. All right, take care. You too. All right, like I said, this is Alicia Bales. This is the fifth Tuesday Ecology Hour, so we've got a special show uh, where we're looking at the um, the events that have taken place in Jackson Demonstration State Forest over the next last couple of weeks, and they have been hair-raising. Uh, we are going to get a report from the folks who have uh, been organizing to keep the trees in Jackson Demonstration State Forest standing. Uh, they started last spring a year ago uh, with a tree sit and blockades when Cal Fire went into log at the Casper 500 timber harvest plan uh, right near the town of Casper on the coast. Um, and their reaction to the announcement that Cal Fire would resume logging of these four controversial timber harvest plans was to get out in the woods and out in the streets. And um, today they were in Sacramento locking themselves together in front of the, um, the Natural Resources Agency on P Street in Sacramento, where six of them
them were arrested. So we're going to hear from those folks, two of the arrestees and uh, several of the youth activists, when we come back. We're going to hear another song from uh, Pomo singer Bernadette Smith. Um, this is a song that she sang on Sunday at the rally for Pomo Landback at, at the Casper 500. Stay tuned. So these are just songs from my people, from Coastal Pomo people. Um, I'm half, well not half, Kashaya and Pointerina. So both of the songs. We'll now turn it over to my sister, my native sister, my cousin. This is uh, Bernadette Smith from the coast. Oh. 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 Pointerina. Oh, Pointerina, that's right. Um, I just want to thank everybody for coming out today. Pomo Land back. Pomo Land back. Oh, that's what we want. That's what we need. We need to protect our sacred sites. We need to protect our forests, protect our natural resources. Those are things we're missing in our community. Those are healing to my community. Oh. You want to see my people thrive? I want to see my people thrive. Oh. And how do we do that? We protect our sacred sites. Oh. We allow Pomo back on the land, the land that they always knew, the land that they protected. Oh. Our rivers, our waters, our salmon, all those things help our people, our mental health, our wellness, our well-being, who we are. Those strengthen my people. This is more than giving land back. This is healing my people. Preserving the people's way of life for years and generations to come. Oh, I want to thank every and each and one of you for coming out today. Allies, it doesn't matter. White, brown, yellow, orange, we're all one people. All one people. The acorn tree, the tan oak tree, it's something that my people need to survive. The redwood tree and the acorn tree grow hand in hand. We need to protect all our natural resources because one is connected to the other. We cannot live without these natural resources. We cannot be without these natural resources. We need these resources to survive. So I thank you for being here because you're here in honor of our survival. Oh, I'm gonna offer a song this is a song that I use while I'm gathering acorn. It's just a little light song, nothing too heavy for us because we want to keep this in good spirits. We want to keep that momentum going for tomorrow and for Tuesday. We need everybody ready, everybody ready to stand up with us. And we stand next to you as well in honor of each other as humans because that's what it's all about. Thank you. I gotta calm my nerves down. Aho, 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 ho, aho, ho, aho, aye. Aho, 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 ho, aho, ho, aho, aye. Aho, how you got when he aho? Oh, Hawaii, 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 ho, I ho, ho, I ho, I aho, aho, I ho, aho, ho, I ho, ho, I ho, I aho, aho, I ho, aho, ho, I ho, ho, I ho, I Hawaii, 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 
that little tune while you're gathering your acorns this year. Oh, happy harvesting, everybody. Oh! And that was Bernadette Smith of the Point Arena, Point Arena Manchester Pomo. Uh, she was singing at the rally for Pomo Land Back at Casper this Sunday, uh, right there at the gateway to the Casper 500 THP. So this is Alicia Bales. It's a special fifth Tuesday Ecology Hour. I am giving an update on the events in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. We talked in the first half hour with Charlie Schneider of the Jackson Advisory Group. And now we're going to talk with some of the activists who responded to CAL FIRE's call to resume logging uh, by rallying and protesting on Sunday, of course, out with Bernadette Smith at Casper 500. On Monday in Fort Bragg and out at Cham Chamberlain Creek, activists gathered and marched to the CAL FIRE office in Fort Bragg. And then today, um, activists were in Sacramento where they protested in front of the Natural Resources Agency and six of them were arrested. So I want to um, welcome my first guest, Alani. She's from the Point Arena Action Network Youth Coalition. Thank you so much for being here, Alani. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. So give us an update. What has been happening uh, with the actions to protect Jackson? What has been happening? Well, right now, I know that a group of us, um, me and two of, the two of the other people from Action Network, along with, like, some of the people who helped um, put on the actual protest, went to the Capitol to talk to people. And I know we actually did get a lot, well, like, a f support from a few of the people we talked to, but we weren't able to see any legislators because they were all in session. That's what I know right now. So you were in Sacramento today? Yes, I was in Sacramento today. All right. And, and were you also in Fort Bragg and Chamberlain Creek yesterday? Yes, I was. Okay, so let's start by having you explain um, why people are protesting, what they're hoping to accomplish, and then can you give us a report from the front lines from yesterday's action? Okay, well, right now, um, Cal Fire has um, announced that they are going to start logging again, and it was previously put on hold, and we were told that they were going to try and come to some sort of agreement with us, which they didn't. They kind of just announced it out of nowhere without really telling us anything. And so, you know, it's a sacred site, and we're really trying to get them to at least sort something out with us and, and just hold, like, to just hold to their promises, I guess. And yesterday what we did was we marched from Town Hall to the actual Cal Fire building in Fort Bragg. And we were just, you know, chanting. We sang songs. We did what we could. We, we didn't get a response out of them, though. There weren't. How many people showed up in Fort Bragg? 150. Really? Oh my gosh! People, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That is it absolutely was. amazing. And then, what about today in Sacramento? You said you went, um, you did a legislative walk, but the legislators were in session. Um, tell people about what happened today. Um, what did you see today? Um, we arrived. We were first at the California Resources Agency, and 
we were out there for a while. Um, our plan was to just stay there until 2 because 2 was when we had the appointment at the Capitol. Um, and while we were there, we were just like kind of like when we were marching yesterday, we were chanting, we were singing songs. Um, I know they had me and some of the other youth lead chants today. Um, and go inside. We went inside and we took a picture. But when we went inside, they actually asked us to leave. Um, I know at some point while we were there, they had five um, sheriffs come. Yeah. And some a police officer, he was on a bike. And <laughs> um, we just we just kept chanting and they kept, they were, um, there were six elders who ended up like blocking the um, entrance, the entrance, and that's that's actually when the sheriffs came and they're asking them if we have a permit, a permit, um, and they're asking them to leave. Um, I remember everyone like that's when we really started singing like our songs because, well, we weren't exactly because they didn't really tell us what they wanted us to do besides, you know, stop blocking it. So, and they didn't really do anything until after we had already left. Well, like us to go to the Capitol to talk. So that must have been pretty bizarre to be there in Sacramento with people locked down in front of the door to the Natural Resources Building and the police came and uh, told you you had to leave. Um, did people yeah. expect that they were going to get arrested? And then how did the arrests go? No, actually, I remember while we were there and the police came, I remember I got a bit like I, I did get a bit nervous because this is like my first ever protest like these for Three protests I'd been to these last few days were my first ever. So when the police showed up, I w wasn't like sure if they were actually going to do something. And everybody around me was like, "No, they're not going. They're not going to do anything." Because for the past year of protests they had, they had never arrested anyone. So we didn't think they were actually going to do anything. But when we left, me and my group, um, we actually got word while we were like having our meetings and talking that. They were, had arrested the six elders who were blocking the entrance. Yeah, and they actually had told us that we had to come back because they um, wanted our group to disperse. They, we weren't welcome there anymore. Were you afraid you were going to be arrested as well after the elders were arrested? Actually, I feel like the more I was, um, the longer I was there, the safer I felt. I didn't really feel like we would be arrested. I felt fine. But definitely when they first came, I felt like I did feel like that nervousness. Uh-huh. And you said this is your yeah. first demonstration like this? Yeah. For real? It's my That's first. so yeah. amazing. So what inspired you to come out and do this kind of thing for the very first time? Well, um... We had, like, gotten word about it through, like, our um, organization, which Action Network, and that's how I went to the first one. And we didn't know about the other two protests that happened yesterday and today until we went to that one on Sunday, the youth, which was the youth rally. And while I was there, um, I heard um, the two 
co-founders of the, um, the, the Youth Coalition. I heard them talking, and while I heard them talking, I actually felt like, like I could see how passionate they were and how informed, and it really just inspired me to come back because... The, the both of them, they were actually, they were, they weren't native. They were white and I, they were telling us that they wanted more native youth. And so that really inspired me to come the other two days. Amazing. Well, we have on the line with us um, one of those co-founders of Mendocino uh, oh, wow. uh, Youth for Climate, Sarah Rose. Hey, Sarah. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi. And we've been speaking with Alani, who's from the Point Arena Action Network Youth Coalition. Um, Sarah, you just came into a pocket of reception <laughs> on your way back from yeah. Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. We pulled over um, so we can hold on to it while it's here. Well, we thank you very much. Um, so give us your report. Alani's been giving us a very good idea of what the actions in Fort Bragg and Sacramento uh, were like um, from a first-person account. What do you have to add to that? You were part of the coalition that called for these actions. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you called for them and, and how you think things went today? What message did you bring to CAL FIRE? Yeah, for sure. And um, feel free to stop me if I'm repeating things that... Um I've already been said, but as far as why we called them, um, we had sort of spent this summer um, a little less busy than we were <laughs> the previous summer because we um, knew that Michael Hunter was negotiating with the state and working really, really hard to try to, um, you know, change the management of this forest, how it's managed so that we have co-management and a new management plan. And things seemed to be going well with the limited information that we got. Um, and Cal Fire unveiled this whole new plan, which had some promising aspects. And then they turned around pretty quickly and said, we're about to start logging again. And not only um, logging again, but logging on these four super contested timber harvest plans um, that our coalition has been working to save for the past couple of years. So when we heard this news, we all sort of gathered together um, and started talking because we knew we had to do something to really show Cal Fire that um, while we have been a little quieter this summer, we are still very much here and we are still very much dedicated to doing everything within our power to make sure that this forest is not does not continue to be managed the way that it has been for the last long while. Why is the moratorium so important? Why are you, I mean, it's been three days of protests now. Um, why does it merit that kind of response, do you think, in your opinion? Because we can't possibly be negotiating the future of a forest while it's being destroyed. Um, while business is continuing as usual and while these big trees that we're fighting for and these sacred sites that we're fighting for are being destroyed. All right, so talk about what happened um, in Fort Bragg yesterday and in Sacramento today. What did Alani gave us a very good uh, report, but what, what was your perspective? I was really excited about how many people and how enthusiastic everybody was um, yeah, we had a wonderful little march yesterday in Fort Bragg. We had quite the line of people down the street, and um, we marched across town with our signs and we and our chants 
and I think we got a lot of people's attention. Um, and then today in Sacramento, again, it was a wonderful crowd of people, um, all very enthusiastic. Some really amazing speakers stepped up to the megaphone and um, shared their thoughts with us. And we definitely, we definitely caught some people's attention, including um, the Highway Patrol, which kind of <laughs> led to the, led to those six arrests. So did you have a, a rally there at the Natural Resources Agency building on P Street? Is that how that happened? And then um, it led yeah. to, to this blockade? Yeah, we had a permit um, for a rally uh, right outside the Natural Resources Agency. Blocking the door was not a part of the permit, but we did have a permit to be there, and we were protesting. And then, you know, I'm not exactly sure what happened. One thing led to another. Here we are. <laughs> And and six people were arrested, I heard. Yes, six elder activists were arrested. And that that and makes the first sort of law enforcement arrests in the Jackson campaign. There were true. some some um, citizens arrested by loggers over at the Red Tail Timber Harvest Plan uh, yeah. last <laughs> spring, I think. But uh, nothing really came from those. It was all kind of a carnival atmosphere anyway but this was actually the <laughs> chp showed up and they actually arrested people yeah that took quite a while and um, i'm pretty sure they didn't want to arrest them because they asked them over and over again if they were <laughs> sure they weren't going to leave but um yes they did end up arresting six um six elder activists and they were cited and released and they are on their way home safely oh okay so they were just cited they're like given a ticket at the, at the at the place. Do you know what their charges they were, were? They were put into vans and driven to the station and cited at the station and then picked up from the station. Which is like six blocks away or something, if I remember Sacramento. Like two, more like. like. Two it was, it was two not blocks. a super long time. Yeah. Short trip. So um, do you know what the charges, quote unquote, what they were cited for? Oh, I don't remember word for word. Um, one of them was locking like the flow of the public um into this building that was the one that that, that, that i most remember I, there were three charges they uh they all got charged with three actually um everybody got charged with two charges except for polly gervin um who she got charged with three and in um a stand of solidarity the rest of the activists said we all deserve to have the same charges. We all did the same thing. Charge us and too. <laughs> exactly. So they all have three charges. Wow. And they'll have to go back to Sacramento to deal with their court dates and, and, and things like that, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, they will. Did, was there any response from the Natural Resources Agency? I mean, they've been having these government-to-government negotiations uh, with the Pomo, two of the Pomo tribes from up here. Um, but this is, the, I think, the first time the rallies have come to their doorstep and certainly the civil disobedience. Did, did anyone come out and talk with you or, or anything? Oh no, we tried really hard to get someone to, um, myself and Ravel, the other co-founder of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate and, uh, a number of other, um, both young and old activists went in and tried to talk to the security people and will, and we're, I mean, I could say pretty rudely turned away. They were not interested in helping us get in touch with 
Wade Crowfoot or anyone else in the Natural Resources Agency to come talk to us. So Wade Crowfoot um, so and Jessica Morse just hid away in their offices on you know up upstairs in the resource building. As far as I know, um, couldn't get in touch with them. They did tell us the only way to schedule an appointment with Mr. Crowfoot was through Instagram message, oh. which we tried a few times, but he did not respond. Wow, through Instagram message. Yeah. Pretty that, interesting. That's, that's new. <laughs> Still not going to get an Instagram. Sorry. Still not going to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't respond, so not really worth it. Right. Well, um, okay, so just talk about what's going to happen next. If you, th- you called for a couple of days, three days of action um, for Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday in response to the call for logging. Have you heard about if there's any logging going on out there at Chamberlain Creek or anywhere else? And what are you guys planning to do next? How should people follow uh, what's going on? Sarah, did I lose you? All right. Well, um, sounds like I lost Sarah, but Alani, are you still there? Uh, yes. So, and you, you have come out in solidarity from the Point Arena Action Network, the Youth Coalition. Actually, this is a new group to me. Can you talk about the, this, this group and how you formed and, and how you intend to, um, keep going if you uh, intend to keep going? What, what work you're going to do around Jackson? The Action, um, Action Network, um, Action Network, it's a non-profit organization. Um, You're, go ahead. We, um, we are a part, like, the group that came today was a part of a this group, the Teen Action Program. We, our goal really is to just help kids stay on track and, um, and keep them out of trouble, especially in our area. We don't have many resources for youth my age um so this was like a part of one of the things they wanted to do they wanted to help us find things that we were passionate about and when our um group heard about this we really wanted to go and check it out so i'm glad we really got that chance and i hope we can go to more in the future as well this is so interesting to me so um you're part of a group who who is looking for sort of meaningful things for youth in your community to get involved in. And you're looking at this struggle for the forest. Yeah. It would, it would seem like, you know, maybe some people might tut-tut and be like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to get involved in stuff like that because, you know, it's not a good influence or you're you're going against the timber industry or you're, you know, maybe getting like the elders who got arrested today. But um, I remember being a youth <laughs> way back when and sitting in trees and blockading um, log trucks and it brought a tremendous amount of meaning. Um, and got me really engaged in the way that our government works and the way that our relationship with the land, uh, forest ecology. And um, I just wonder how you're feeling, like, you know, what this means to you and, and how, how, like, we used to say action is the antidote to despair. And the condition of the young folks in our community right now seems like there's a lot of despair. Yeah, I feel like, 
definitely through this, like, these last three days, I can tell that I've, like, come a lot out, like, a lot more out of my shell. I feel a lot more empowered, and I've learned so many things that I really didn't know about, like, just even, like, yesterday. I've learned so much more today than, like, I feel like I have this last year, and being with people who are all passionate about one thing, it really makes me feel like I, um, just like I have a community of people around me and something to actually fight for. And like, I could actually make some change. Wow. That's an amazing feeling, yeah. isn't it? It is. Um, Sarah Rose, are you hearing this? You're back on the line? Yes, I'm back. I'm back. I don't know what happened, but I'm, I'm back. Do you want to speak to that feeling of standing with people and um, what it feels like to to stand together to to fight for something you believe in? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. Um, this movement has been such a wonderful place to be for the last, what is it, like almost a year and a half. I have definitely, I'd echo that I've learned so much about forestry, about the environment, about what it means to be an activist and to really stand up for yourself and others. And yeah, there is a really deep sense of community, which is just a really wonderful place to be. And especially when you're working on something that's so hard, knowing that you have the support of all of these different people standing there with you fighting for the same thing. (sighs) Well, um, I'd love to know what's next, Sarah. Oh, uh, well... Have you guys got plans for um, a continue, continued actions, or um, do you know Do you know what's going to happen? Nothing that I have enough details to solidly announce yet, but this is definitely not the end. Um, there will be more rallies. Keep your eyes and ears open. I'm sure we will be back in Sacramento again soon if things don't start to change. Um, and... Come September, you might just be seeing another school strike for climate out of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate. So, All right. Well, how can people follow your activism? Yes, you can follow us on social media at the underscore MCYC on Instagram. Instagram is the best place, but we also do have a Twitter and a TikTok, which we post on a little less. Um, or you can go to our website, the hyphen MCYC. Couldn't get the underscore, so it's not completely unified. And always, um, from there, you can reach out to us by email, uh, learn more about how to get in touch with us. That's easier than giving out our long email. Okay, brilliant. And Alani, if people want to support your work or find out more about the Point Arena Action Network and the Youth Coalition, how can they do that? Um, Well, I know we have an Instagram as well. Um, one sec, I'm pulling it up because I actually don't remember what it is off the top of my head. Um, the center underscore action network. All right. So I guess I'm going to have to get an and Instagram. And then we have uh, actionnetwork.net mm. as well. Oh, oh which good. Which is our website. Okay. Yeah. Actionnetwork.net. And this is out of Point Arena? Yeah. Yes. Out of Point Arena. Very cool. 200 Main Street. All right. Well, I just have to say both of you young women have really um, warmed my heart and inspired me and I hope inspired all of the people listening out there. Um, Thank you so much for coming on tonight and telling your story and uh, for being brave and um, standing up for what you believe in. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.
All right, this is Alicia Bales. I'm here on a special fifth Tuesday edition of the Ecology Hour. We have sort of a um, a flashpoint of um, activism going on around Jackson's demonstration state forest and Cal Fire's recent announcements. First, that they have a bold new vision for the forest, and next, that they're going to go back to logging it. Um, so we, uh, I, I thought it would be good to bring you uh, the the latest. We talked with Charlie Schneider from the JAG at the first half of the show, and we got an update from uh, Alani and Sarah Rose about the actions in Fort Bragg and Sacramento yesterday and today. I want to thank you so much for listening tonight. We're going to leave this hour, uh, this ecology hour, with just one more song from Bernadette Smith from the Point Arena, Manchester, Pomo. And have a very, very good evening. And thanks for listening. Yeah, I love to sing loud. I like to sing loud so my voice can reach far back as it can to that ocean, to these trees, to these squirrels, to the land, so our ancestors can uh, wake up and be proud and feel proud of our people because we're still here. Oh, we ain't going nowhere. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.